The Stages podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our artists and audiences meet. We pay our respect to past, present and emerging elders. We acknowledge the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives... Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. You go and check me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Ho, ho, hello. It's Peter Ayers here and you're listening to Stages. And welcome to a very special Christmas-themed episode. Though the shops seem to commence their yuletide spruiking earlier with each year, the Christmas period is fleeting. It begins to look a lot like Christmas as carolers stalk our shopping centres and actors in jolly red suits beckon little ones to approach and impart their festive wish list. Christmas is time to replay our favourite Christmas movies or to revisit that miracle on 54th Street or relate to the Griswolds family as they navigate their stressful Christmas. It might mean your annual intake of plum pudding eggnog, or that singular opportunity to pull a Christmas cracker. It's a merry time that beckons us to haul out the holly and put up the tree before our spirits fall again. But in the worlds of the Broadway musical, Christmas is a setting, a period, a backdrop, a location, a moment that is called upon to elicit an emotional engagement. Stages was recently spinning some show tunes and was caught by the magnificent Christmas sequence, The Twelve Days of Christmas, in the jewel box musical She Loves Me, a golden age musical that takes place over the Christmas period, providing an enchanting backdrop for the two protagonists to slowly realise that they are destined for each other. The show tune set off a challenge to compile a list of musicals that are set at Christmas time or feature a Christmas-themed song. The show might even feature a moment set at Christmas time. The challenge became obsessive. Then it dawned that the best source to seek out to satisfy the search for Santas and Snow in the show tune would be none other than our favourite oracle, Tony Sheldon. Tony Sheldon is one of our favourite Australian actors and theatre makers. Show business is the family business and he has tread the boards on national and global stages for several decades. His respect, passion and investigation of the industry has equipped him with an infinite knowledge of all things show. So, the challenge to provide stages with a stocking stuffed with shows and show tunes celebrating and set during the festive season 
was met with the excitement of old Saint Nick delivering toys on Christmas morning. This is the perfect episode to indulge as you wrap your gifts and get in the Christmas mood. We may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. Merry Christmas from Sheldy and Stages. Need a little Christmas now. Tony Sheldon, Sheldy, how lovely to see you. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Peter. Um, have you wrapped your presents? Are you are you um up to date? We we don't really do presents because the only people we see are my mum. Um, so uh, uh, and uh, it's usually just books. Uh, so um, uh, yes, we 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 tend not to do the present thing. We mostly just uh, have a lovely Christmas day with mum. Uh, I cook and um, we sit around. We'll probably be playing this broadcast to her and. And then we get on the train and go home. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Your, your mum, of course, the wonderful Tony Lamond, and um, wish her a happy Christmas from from all of us at Stages and, and the listeners, because I'm sure they're, they're all big fans and um, they would uh, love to be mentioned. Oh, how lovely. And she will be thrilled. She, she always says to me, oh, I don't think people remember me anymore and because uh, um, she's 90 now. But yeah. I said, my darling, you know, honestly, I said when whenever like one of her old numbers or something appears on YouTube, there's always a huge reaction. So, uh, uh, yeah, she is, she is beloved. She is indeed. Now, uh, as an actor, a favourite of our actors, um, have you ever played Father Christmas in your your long career strangely only once and i wrote it for myself um we did a review at the old nimrod that became belvoir street uh in 1980 tony taylor and i and robin mose and deirdre rubenstein wrote a show called you and the night and the house wine and it was a christmas show it was commissioned by john bell and neil armfield and um uh armfield sorry and uh I wrote myself. That's Madam Armfeld. Madam Madam Neil, and I wrote a sketch as um, as Santa Claus, who was um, uh, his wife came to visit him and said, "You know, you're never you're never home, and uh, you're always with the children." And and it was sort of a neglected wife sketch, which was very touching. And then Tony at the end of it sang. Tony Taylor sang Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas wistfully at the end. And uh, then when we revived the show at Rose's nightclub in 1985, uh, Peter Tapano played Mr. Santa Claus. So that's the only time. But I've done a lot of Christmas shows um, in New York. Um, I did a version of Christmas Carol. I was the ghost of Christmas Present. And I did a musical called A Charles Dickens Christmas in which I played Charles Dickens' father, John Dickens. Um, so... And, of course, all those Tilbury reviews that we did, all those Christmas pantos at the Tilbury. But Santa only showed his face once, yes. No, once. <laughs> well, there's, there's still time for there another is. Santa. There, there is. is. Now, as I am an aged, white-haired, bearded, <laughs> jolly old man. <laughs> You've been back in Australia a few years now after several years in, in New York City. Um, it's a wonderful place to spend Christmas. Uh, you obviously had several Christmases there. Nobody does Christmas like New York, do they? Nobody does. It's the it's the tradition of it as well that uh, the same things happen every Christmas. So there's that sense of anticipation 
as Christmas comes in New York, of the Christmas windows on Fifth Avenue. You know, what 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 joys are we going to see at Saks and and uh, all all those the Lords and Tailors and all all those. They're very elaborate. It's very exciting. And um, the tree that goes up at Rockefeller Center and there's the um, the ice rink opens at, at, at Rockefeller Center. So everybody's skating. And uh, the Christmas markets, which we don't have here and I think would probably do very well here, but um, they're very beautiful, especially in Bryant Park, where um, you people can actually go and do their Christmas shopping at these beautiful markets. That, that opened. And of course, the um, the tradition of the Radio City Rockettes, uh, they do their Christmas shows every year and they've got their traditional numbers. They do the, the tap number of the 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, the dancing Santa Clauses that are projected on the screen behind them so that there are multiple like mirror images of, of Santa Clauses. And there's the whole nativity scene that comes up from the ground and they've got real animals. They've got camels and donkeys and, and things like that. So there's, it's like every year you go and you see the same things and uh, the same Christmas decorations are always out on the streets. It's uh, it's thrilling, that whole thing of the snow and, and the lights in the snow and the trees filled with lights. It's uh, it's unbeatable and, and it's, it's a very... New York thing. I mean, I'm sure a similar thing happens out in the Midwest, but I had a couple of Christmases out in LA and uh, <laughs> it was very different. It was a bit like Christmas in Sydney in LA. But, but uh, yes, I adored. And of course, I was very lucky in that I, my landlords were Audra McDonald and Will Swenson, um, you know, both currently on Broadway in their new shows. And uh, they would invite me out to their house um, out in the country um, uh, with with uh, their their kids and and Audra's mum and and they did would do the whole big Christmas and uh, also um, Charles Bush the playwright yes became a very dear friend he has an annual Christmas Eve um, uh, uh, cocktail party that he has catered and uh, anyone who is anyone uh, turns up there and and it was wonderful because I made a lot of good friends there and a lot of connections um over the years so uh i i do miss my friends and the whole new york christmas experience very much indeed yeah it's a beautiful tradition in new york um new york of course being the home of the broadway musical and i i, I was um a couple of weeks ago i i had the iron out i was doing my ironing and i always play a a broadway cast recording and i chose she loves me on this day and uh, and it struck me because it's a huge well it's set at Christmas time and there's a huge Christmas sequence in the middle uh, with shoppers etc and it got me wondering about what are the other musicals Broadway musicals which feature which are set at Christmas time or which feature a, a Christmas song and I said I know my mate Tony Sheldon will obviously <laughs> have an extensive list so um and that's why we're chatting today so. Shelley, why do you think um, the festive season is such ripe fodder for the Broadway musical? Why do we see it come up so often? Well, I think it's very emotive. Um, those they, they bring up high emotions. It's all about family and friends coming together, um, celebrating each other, the, the whole thing about joy, um, building memories for the future, especially for children. Um, New New Year coming up, meaning new hope for the future. Um, 
the, the gift of giving, you know, it's better to give than to receive, so there are lessons to be learned. But also um, it's it's about stress and, and uh, for people who don't have those families and the comfort of homes it's it's um it's about loneliness so it's uh in, you know lack of self-esteem so emotions are running high around christmas and um it, that is great dramatic fodder for for a show and and also a lot comic fodder so um for 12 days to christmas In She Loves Me, which is a countdown um, of people who've left their Christmas shopping to the last minute, uh, it's it's and it's the whole story is building towards the lovers who we have seen from the beginning of the show who don't like each other and have unknowingly been writing love letters to each other as pen pals without knowing the other person's identity. It's all heading towards, are they going to find it? When are they going to meet each other? When are they going to meet? So the, the whole Christmas thing is leading towards Christmas Eve and they, they're out in the snow and they've closed the shop and we'll have a wonderful Christmas and then that is the moment that they reveal to each other that they know who that they are dear friend and they clutch each other in their arms and the snow falls and everybody's happy. It's it's a wonderful use of drama to, you know, the context for, for that. Yes, and that festive period of 12 days gives tremendous dramatic structure to the show in building the tension about that relationship. Yeah, It certainly does. And I think all Broadway shows pretty much use Christmas um, as a as a, a dramatic device, I mean, probably the most famous show song from a, a, um, a Christmas song from a show is "We Need a Little Christmas" from Jerry Herman's Maine, which has now become a standard. But of course, people don't realise that it, um, it's about the depression and Maine, a once wealthy woman, um, has been reduced is in reduced circumstances. She's been fired from her last job. Um, as a manicurist for stabbing somebody in the hand. And uh, it's actually a, a three and a half week before Christmas um, song, because as Patrick says, we're, we're one week from Thanksgiving Day. So it's probably like December the 1st or the end of November. And uh, they decide to celebrate Christmas to lift their spirits. So in the context of the show, it's a wonderful lift um, so that we stop worrying about this poor woman, you know. <laughs> and, of course, it, it turns the tide because the man who she stabbed turns up on her doorstep, suddenly he's come looking for her and turns out he's rich and he marries her. So um, it's it's a, a dramatic advice, to, a, a dramatic device to move you into the next phase of the story. I realise that a lot of shows uh, use what I call the intermission shock, um, using Christmas, um, the most uh, one, for instance, Promises, Promises, which has that song Turkey Lurkey Time. It's Turkey Lurkey Time, Tom Turkey ran away, but he just came home. It's Turkey Lurkey Time, he's really home to stay, never want to roam. Let's make a wish and we hope our wishes come true.
now famous on YouTube as Donna McKechnie and Bailey and Marco Sappington doing that brilliant Michael Bennett choreography, um, and it's part of a Christmas party. But what happens is that the leading man, who is in love with the the young girl lift operator Fran, um, has has hoped to um, move their romance forward here on Christmas Eve, and he finds out that she is the mistress of his boss. And so the curtain falls on his great sadness. And so it's all been leading up to turkey lurkey time, fabulous, and then boom, your heart drops down to your stomach when you realise his, his sadness. There are three Christmas songs in Promises, Promises. There's turkey lurkey. And then the second act opens with uh, a song called A Fact Can Be a Beautiful Thing, which is a comic number where um, because it's Christmas, not the time to be alone with memories. Christmas is supposed to be a happy holiday. Throw a little joy my way. And then there's a third song called Christmas Day, um, which is a sort of a background song, which is is a, all very minor key and sad. So three Christmas songs in that one show. Uh, the intermission shock also happens in a show called Subways of the Sleeping. There's another big production number called Be a Santa, which is all street Santas collecting for charity who do a big Michael Kidd production number. And then, again, uh, the leading lady who has been um, leading on the leading man by she she uh, is hoping to write an article about street people, uh, but she hasn't let on. And then somebody walks past and recognises the woman and says, oh, I loved your last article, and blows her cover, and he leaves her first act curtain, intermission shock, straight after a big Christmas production number. Um, Sherry, the musical version of The Man Who Came to Dinner. And now, our annual tribute to this joyous season. Tonight's the night the world becomes all magic make believe And youthful hearts beat loud as drums For this is Christmas Eve The weary corner Santa Claus With adding all the skills Same thing. It's uh, the man who came to dinner, of course, is about a man who lands on a family for Christmas because he's broken his leg and chaos abounds, you know, eccentric people coming to visit animals and all that. So the end of the first act is him doing a Christmas broadcast on his radio show and all hell breaks loose um, on live on air. There are um, orangutans are running through the building and gunshots and police arriving and the curtain falls on that madness. Um, did we ever see a, a production of Sherry? I know there is uh, that beautiful studio cast recording, but uh, did it ever take to the stage? Oh, it did. Uh, George Sanders was um, playing the, the lead and he left the show out of town. Um, Dolores Gray was the leading lady. Uh, and it was written by James Lipton, who was the guy who did those um, inside uh, the, the actor- studio. Yes, yes. yes. 
But um, it was not considered to be um, a good show. And when it came in with a replacement leading man, Clive Revel, uh, it got a fairly decent run. I think it ran um, uh, four or five months, actually. Uh, and there's a, a couple of fun things in it. But, uh, no, the, the, the reviews weren't good. And it has not um, had a, really had a life since then, no. Um, in my research, I was um, delighted to discover that, you know, you talk about songs that have become staple of Christmas, but, of course, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, which everybody does. I was astounded to discover came from a musical. Well, it didn't, actually. It started off as a standard written by Meredith Wilson, who, of course, of, wrote Music Man, yeah, Molly Brown. And his third Broadway show was this show called Here's Love, which was an adaptation of the film Miracle on 34th Street. Um, about the, uh, the the Macy's Santa Claus who says he is the real Kris Kringle. And uh, it actually ends up as a court case. And uh, he is declared finally uh, uh, on, uh, on the advice of uh, various uh, corporate uh, powers, they say it's it's uh, they say to the governor, it's a good idea if you actually do recognize this man as being Santa Claus. Otherwise, millions of children around the world are going to come <laughs> up. Um, it had a rather undistinguished score, I'm afraid. Here's love, right. and um, so it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It was added to the show as a as a counterpoint to another song called Pine Cones and Holly Berries. Uh, so sort of midway through the second act, suddenly when Janice Page started to sing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, I think the audience all sighed with relief that there was a song that they knew and could sing along with. Um, <laughs> the only other song that came out of the show um, was at the end in the courtroom scene, a song called That Man Over There Is Santa Claus, when everybody acknowledges that that Kris Kringle really is Santa and uh, all the reviews said at last there was a song that, you know, lifted the show because it was a hard slog otherwise. Mm. Yes, it was sad that Meredith Wilson never really equaled the success of The Music Man. I mean, some success with the unsinkable Molly Proud, but he really only wrote four shows, didn't he? Yes, yeah, so there was the Christopher Columbus show after that, 1491, which never left California. Uh, so, yes, Music Man was his... Uh, his his golden show and of course when you read the journey that he had getting that on that mm. took years and years and years well over 10 years and many many rewrites uh but uh, but what a what a brilliant piece of work that is mm. uh but i just wanted to get back to the uh, the first act closer thing um yep. uh, there, there's a lovely one in um catch me if you can uh the show about um the the uh, the imposter the guy who who pretends to be uh, an uh, airline pilot Frank and, uh, Frank somebody Frank um, Frank Abagnale, I think yes indeed and uh, and he's being chased by uh, by the Carl Tom Hanks Tom Hanks yes but yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, at the first at the end of the first act there there is a a, a Christmas shock ending where um, the boy suddenly rings uh, Frank suddenly calls from a public phone. The cop, and there's a, a, a bantery uh, song called "Christmas is My Favorite Time of Year," and uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're sort of joking about, you know, the, the cop saying, you know, yeah, I spent Christmas with a gun, you know, waiting to find you and and all of that, and suddenly Frank says, "Look out the window," and Carl looks out, and 
he says Merry Christmas and hangs up. And it's the first time that the cop realises that the guy is a kid that he's chasing. He thought he was chasing this hardened criminal. Yeah. And his last lines are, it's a kid? It's a kid? Which suddenly changes the whole thing. But the boy rang him because he can't go home because they'll catch him and he's lonely. And that's how he gives himself away because he's alone at Christmas on the run and he, he's got nobody to talk to except the cop. So it's, um, it's a very poignant uh, moment in that show. And of course, the ultimate first act curtain is in American Psycho where um, Patrick Bateman uh, goes to a Christmas party and uh, takes home uh, somebody from the Christmas party and chops him up with an ax curtain. <laughs> So. <laughs> I remember it well. I mean, that the production yes. on Broadway where the plastic sheet comes down and then it's just splatter, splatter, splatter. I, I didn't see it in New York, but I saw the the fantastic production that Alexander Belage did at uh, yes, at yes, the and uh, uh, it certainly heralded heralded him as a, a brilliant talent and. Um, and uh, what, what what a wonderful production it was. Then we have those those Christmas numbers that open Act Two. Um, I'm thinking Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher, from Billy Elliot. Oh yes, that is that is that is so black. Um, Merry, Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. May God's love be with you. We all sing together in one breath. Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. We all celebrate today because it's one day closer to your death. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be the blackest Christmas song ever written. Um, Yes, it's uh, that that that's um, sort of one of the, the the Christmas songs that I always sort of associate with people with hardship. Um, there are a lot of Christmas songs like like uh, Rent, um, the the Christmas song in Rent, um, which is all about you know no sleigh bells, uh, merry ain't in my vocabulary, uh, no sleigh bells, no Santa Claus, no Yule log, no tinsel, no holly. Um, no Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, no room at the Holiday Inn. Mm. And it's it's sung by homeless people and, and dr drug uh, addicts. And, and so th that's people, you know, the, the abandoned on, on Christmas Eve. Um, Hard Candy Christmas from Best Little Whorehouse, a show which actually has nothing to do with Christmas at all. But at the end of the show, the whorehouse is closing and all the girls are going out into the world. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. That's become a, um, a standard. Hey, maybe I'll dye my hair. Maybe I'll move somewhere. Maybe I'll get a car. Maybe I'll drive so far they'll all lose track of me. I'll bounce right back. Maybe I'll sleep real late. Maybe I'll lose some weight. Maybe I'll clear my junk. Maybe I'll just get drunk on apple wine. I'll be just fine and dandy. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas I'm barely getting through tomorrow still I can't let sorrow bring me way down Caroline or Change um, the, the, that opens Act 2 I think where the uh, the the, uh, the, the Caroline's employers where she works as the the, 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 the Jewish, fa the Jewish family the Jewish family say that um, the, the the 
the black housekeeper can keep the change that she finds in the little boy's pocket. Um, and, and Caroline is of two minds as to whether this is a good thing. Um, but, you know, Christmas is uh, Christmas is expensive. You've got gifts to buy and bills to pay. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, it's again um, uh, about uh, hardship and what Christmas represents to, to people who are struggling. If only they could have a new deal for Christmas. I know the depression's depressing. their dressing the children don't grin the santas are thin and i've heard a terrible rumor no goodwill no cheer but we'll get a new deal for christmas this year ah yes that's um that's a very clever use of of uh, of a song again a show that that leads to a happy ending for everybody and everybody in the millionaire's house as Annie's being adopted and the bad guys have been vanquished and Daddy Warbucks is probably going to marry Grace and it's all lovely and they all sing, we'll have a new deal for Christmas. Um, another depression uh, show, but, um, you know, we will leave the depression behind us, like, like Auntie Name. Uh, there was a sequel to Annie called Annie Warbucks um, not as successful, sadly, but they did the very clever thing is that they opened the show, Annie Warbucks, with the same scene. It, um, Annie Warbucks starts 30 seconds after Annie finishes and they oh. open with We'll Have a New Deal for Christmas and then the story moves on from there, which is a very clever piece of writing, I think. What about all of the Christmas musicals? You know, A, a Christmas Story we, we saw recently on Broadway, which was based on the yes, film. Uh, you know. Christmas Story. I'm, I'm very fond of Christmas Story. And, of course, there's an Australian connection there because our, our own Caroline O'Connor um, was in it as uh, Ralphie's teacher. Uh, it had um, two limited runs on Broadway, 2012, 2000. 13 I think uh just for the Christmas period it's a it's a very smart um show by Pasek and Paul uh set in 1940 in Indiana um about little Ralphie Parker and his quest for a BB gun for Christmas and then everything that happens uh uh, because of that but the show has toured yearly around America uh it, for eight years I think since um and I think it's probably happening this year um there's um there's some some lovely stuff it's got one of my favorite uh, uh songs of that show is called up on santa's lap give me a break how long can i take this crap up on santa's lap little nancy wants a new toy train little nancy's driving me insane Little freaks who come to climb on Santa's lap. Um, when Ralphie and his little brother um, decide to ask Santa for the BB gum, you know, they're, they're giving up hope that their parents are going to buy one because everyone keeps saying, you'll shoot your eye out. And there's a, a very funny sequence um, where the department store stand, Santa, who is uh, drunk, he's drinking out of his candy cane. And... Uh, <laughs> 
this this line of screaming children, um, all of whom are abusive or they're wetting themselves. And uh, Ralphie and his brother are getting closer and closer to him. And so this chaos is reigning and this very jaunty up on Santa's lap song is happening. And, of course, Ralphie's brother gets there and sits on his lap and takes one look at Santa and screams and runs. Um, but that's, uh, that's a very funny uh, uh, number. Um, it's it's and, genius, uh, uh, genius for a team of writers to write a Christmas musical because it's almost a, a guaranteed uh, season for, for if not every Christmas, then for a few seasons. Uh, we saw White Christmas on Broadway um, for a couple of years, didn't we? And and certainly an extensive American um, American tape directed by Walter Bobby, that production. Yes. Although it's interesting that both um, White Christmas and uh, Holiday Inn, uh, which are both based on... Um, Movies the films. Yeah, um, I saw I saw Holiday in the night of the 2016 election because I thought I I I was so stressed about Trump getting in that I thought I I have to go and see a show. I'll have to go and see a Broadway show that'll take me out of myself. I'll go and see Holiday in, and we all sat in stony silence. I mean, because I thought, oh, the whole audience had the same idea as I did, um, and we all came out much more depressed than when we went in after we heard the. The result. Uh, but uh, both White Christmas and uh, Holiday Inn, uh, interestingly, have really have very little to do with Christmas. Um, they're, they're both love stories um, about show people. And so they're, they're really about the relationships um, of these people and just a whole bunch of, an excuse for a whole bunch of Irving Berlin numbers. Um, Holiday Inn especially uh, has a very specious moment where uh, they say, yes, we'll, we'll open, a, um, we'll open a, a, a venue where we just do shows in the holiday. And, like, here's a song we could do over Christmas time. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> it's sort of the only reference to Christmas in the entire show. So both of them don't really qualify as Christmas shows. It's sort of like a Christmas panto in England is like Snow White or Cinderella. You know, they're not really Christmas shows, but they are seasonal joy, you know. Um, however, there was a musical version of Elf. Um, Which is by, playing the uh, West End this year, I think. Yes, I think it was. That was written in two thousand and ten, uh, written by the people who wrote the Wedding Singer, um, and uh, that's Santa narrating the story of, of uh, Buddy the Elf, the little boy who ended up in the North Pole, um, when in fact he is. He thinks he's an elf, but in fact he's not. He was like an abandoned child or something, and so he ends up going back to New York to find his family. Um, that has a, a wonderful production number that opens Act Two, which is one of my favourites. Um, where, where Buddy ends up in a Chinese restaurant, and there's all the the, the street Santa Clauses from all the stores. They're all sitting there getting smashed in this Chinese restaurant, and they do a, a, a big number called "Nobody Cares About Santa Claus," and uh, <laughs> that turns into a big, huge production number. And that's that's one of the best Christmas numbers in in recent memory. I love. I love that one. Sparkle, um, sparkle, jolly, twinkle, jingly. Yes, yes, that, that's <laughs> a terrific number. And uh, and of course, the, the the wonderful moment at the end. Uh, there, there is a Santa Claus when uh, uh, Buddy's uh, brother and and his his mother see Santa's sleigh flying over the uh, the house, and there's a, a, a joyous number called "There Is a Santa Claus." 
Um, there's um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which um, is now got got um, a bit of a life by Mel Marvin and Timothy Mason. That that toured for for many years and then finally got to Broadway in two thousand and six. Uh, rather undistinguished score, I think. There's there's a number the Grinch does called I Hate Christmas, I Hate Christmas Eve that sounds like something out of Sweeney Todd. It's sort of Stephen Stravinsky. <laughs> very very impressive uh, piece. Um, there was. Um, uh, Nuncrackers, which was one of the uh, the Nonsense series. Um, Nonsense, of course, was a huge off-Broadway hit by Dan Coggan. And then he wrote a whole series of sequels, uh, Nonsense, Nonsense 2, which was performed out, out here with Sheila Bradley and Donna Lee in the cast. Um, and uh, Nuncrackers is uh, a completely Christmas uh, score. Um there was um, there was a musical of um, a Christmas memory, uh, which was the Truman Capote story uh, right. about about his childhood with his aunt and preparing Christmas. That was by Carol Hall, who wrote Hall House with lyrics by uh, Larry Grossman. That uh, that's been done regionally, um, and of course, it's a wonderful life is now the new uh, one based on the James Stewart film, um, which. Uh, has been done at good speed and paper mill um and uh, that had a big concert performance on broadway with an all-star cast um brian stokes mitchell uh, david hyde pierce karen ziemba uh, a lot of people so uh, that's that's out in the world now who wrote that shelly oh i'm trying to think oh i knew you'd ask me i think it's shelton harnick yes yes no it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful life by uh, uh joe raposo uh, who used to write the music for um, Sesame Street. Uh, he wrote the music and Sheldon Harnick wrote the lyrics. Uh, Sheldon Harnick, who of course also wrote She Loves Me, um, wrote an, an adaptation of um, A Christmas Carol. There are more versions of A Christmas Carol, musical theatre versions of A Christmas Carol, than any other Christmas piece. And Sheldon Harnick and Michelle Legrand wrote um, a musical version of, of Scrooge called Penny by Penny, um, which uh, was done out of town starring Richard Kiley and Gary Beach. And uh, that didn't seem to go anywhere, but uh, there, there, are, there are so many. Uh, Lynn Ahrens, who wrote Ragtime, um, she wrote uh, a version of Christmas Carol with Alan Menken, Little Shop of Horrors, Alan Menken, um, which was was done on Broadway. Oh, the, with, with all these stars. Um, it was done at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and every year they had like a, a, a special guest star, Scrooge, uh, Walter Charles, Terence Mann, Tony Randall, Hal Linden, Roddy McDowell, um, Roger Daltrey, Tony Roberts, Frank Langella, Tim Curry, F. Murray Abraham, uh, and Jim Dale, uh, they, they've all done it each year, played Scrooge, and then they filmed it for TV with um, Kelsey Grammer. Um, so that's, and there's, there was another version written by Billy Brown. The Australian um, actor? Australian actor Billy Brown. Um, it was um, in 1985. Um, it was done as a fundraiser for the Riverside Shakespeare Company that starred Len Cariou um, and Celeste Holm, um, Raul Julia, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, uh, Fritz Weaver, Carol Shelley, 
Um, and then it was done uh, the following year at the Marriott Theatre uh, in New York as a, as a fundraiser with F. Murray Abraham and Ozzie Davis, with Rex Smith as Bob Cratchit. Um, and of course, there was the beautiful production of Scrooge, uh, the, the Leslie Brickus version that was done at the Princess Theatre in Melbourne in 1994. Um, with Keith, with Keith Michelle, yeah. Yes, and um, my beloved Tony Taylor was Bob Cratchit and um, uh, Max Gillies and Bill Zappa and Marie Johnson and Dale Burridge. And I think Esther Hannaford was one of the kids. Yeah. Tony um, Gapin. Tony Gapin was, um, yes, the, uh, uh, the the Jolly family who, uh, oh, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, the fizzy wigs or the puzzle no, wasn't or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's I mean, I've listened to a lot of the, the Scrooge scores and they're, they're, they're not that memorable and they all tend to use the same song spots. There's always the I Hate Christmas song for Scrooge. There's always the Fessywigs party, which tends to be the, the liveliest number. Um, there's usually a, um, a flashback number of, of Scrooge as a young man with his beloved girlfriend. And uh, then there's the... Um, when he is redeemed at the end, there's the I love life is the world wonderful. They all tend to use exactly the same song spots and the songs all sound exactly the same. Um, I think my favourite version is the TV version, uh, which was Mr Magoo's Christmas Carol, which was written <laughs> by Julie Stein and Bob Merrill. It was, it was written around the time. They'd just written Funny Girl on Broadway. And um, they, they do a Christmas Carol, the only change being that Mr. Magoo is playing the role of Scrooge. Um, but uh, that that has a, a, a lovely score. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 4006, 4012. <laughs> ringle, ringle, coins when they mingle, make such a lovely sound. Two guineas and tuppence and thruppence and bob Make my ears tingle and keep my heart throbbing Crowns and coppers, little eye poppers Can make my pulses pound Coins in a column can make me ecstatical Denominational or alphabetical Alphabetical ringle, a ringle When they jingle make such a lovely sound There's a lovely song called Ringle, Ringle Which is you think is about Christmas bells But it's in fact Scrooge exulting about the sound of the coins that he's counting. Um, and there's a very beautiful ballad called Winter Was Warm, which was sort of the hit. Um, uh, but uh, and I was lucky enough to do a, um, a staged version of it um, as, a, as an Actors Fund benefit with Douglas Sills playing um, Scrooge and Joshua Henry um, was uh, Bob, Bob Cratchit and I was the, the ghost of Christmas present. Um, and then they, they did it the year after I came back as well. So, um, yes, that, that's, that's my favourite version is Mr Magoo's Christmas Carol. <laughs> well, with those wonderful pivotal characters of Christmas like Scrooge and, and Santa Claus, um, it's uh, surprising, uh, perhaps, that Andrew Lloyd Webber never got to, to put a Christmas number into Jesus Christ Superstar. 
I know it's it's interesting the people who uh, who like didn't didn't write Christmas uh, numbers. Um, Rogers and Hammerstein never had a, a, a Christmas song in any of their shows. They did write um, a standard that they hoped to get out there called um, "Merry Christmas, Little Friend," which they wrote in 1953. Um, but it, it never took off, and it was never used in the show. But it turns up in the film "Welcome to Whoop Whoop." Um, Stephen Elliott's film. Yeah, he yeah. uses it. So uh, that's probably the greatest exposure it ever had. Um, Stephen Sondheim is also not a great uh, uh, Christmas uh, songwriter in his shows, but he he had a song that was cut from Gypsy uh, called Three Wishes for Christmas." There was originally a big Christmas sequence at the end during Gypsy's big strip when she finally gets to Minsky's. And he did write a lyric um, that the chorus girls uh, sang. Um, I've I've got it here. Um, If I had three wishes for Christmas, I'd make my first wish for a tree. I'd make my second for a gift from someone, a remembrance from one who is dear to me. I'd make my third for a snowball. And if my three wishes come true, on Christmas night, I would light my tree, the snow falling silently, and open my Christmas present from you, if I had you. But as sometimes said, showgirls with shrill voices singing sentimental lyrics has for me a short shelf life. And uh, (laughs) the number was cut. Uh, another person who wrote a showgirl number uh, for Christmas was Peter Allen. Um, there was a number, a very short number in uh, um, Legs Diamond called Speakeasy Christmas. Uh, the lyric goes, uh, ring twice, all ye, Saint Nick sent me, and down the chimney he came in, so let the yuletide joy begin at the speakeasy. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, the... the uh, some people who you don't think wrote Christmas songs actually did. <laughs> they did. Uh, what can you tell me about a piece called Flahuli? Flahuli um, is about Flahuli is a doll, and um, she's a, um, a doll who laughs. Now it was originally written as um, it's by E. Y. Harbour wrote the lyrics. It was originally written as a satire on consumerism. And uh, there was a song out of town called Sing the Merry, which was specifically about the cons- um, the commercialization of Christmas. And it was cut. Um, originally, uh, the doll also used to say things like dirty reds. And um, it, it was very sort of anti-communist and... and uh, um, anti-corporate, but the whole show by the time it got to New York was very much toned down. Um, but it did introduce Barbara Cook to uh, to audiences, and uh, she does sing a, a lovely duet called um, "Who Says There Ain't Who Says There Ain't No Santa Claus." Do I hear a reindeer, or have I gone insane, dear? Am I hearing heartbeats? You hear a reindeer, sure as rain a reindeer. So it's very plain, dear, that this jingle is Kris Kringle, telling us there's still are things that people say ain't so. Who says there ain't no Donner, no Blitzen with you before me? Who says there ain't no Santa Claus? 
hearts all tingles, all sleigh bells. Uh, of course, the show it's most famous is the Broadway debut of E. Masumak, the woman with the 20 octave range, who uh, uh, mostly sings uh, strange sort of guttural um, songs in a foreign language that have nothing to do with the story. It's very peculiar. <laughs> I love My Wife is a show that you uh, have performed in. Um, Lovers on Christmas Eve. Did you get to do that or was that somebody else's number? No, um, in our production, it was Peter Tapano and Bartholomew John. Um, yes, the whole second act is um, set on, on Christmas Eve. Um, the show, of course, is about uh, two suburban couples in Trenton, New Jersey, who decide they want to join the love revolution. And uh, they're going to indulge in some wife swapping um, at their Christmas Eve party. Um, so the end of the first act is that three of them have decided to do this and they haven't yet told the fourth member of the team, who is the character Peter Tapano played. Um, so the, the second act, which starts with the band dressed as Santa Claus, singing, hey, they're good times, here I am, the hit number from the show. It then segues to um, Wally and Monica, Monica being the one who hasn't been told about the plans for Christmas singing this very romantic 1940s-style song where love is on Christmas Eve. And then, of course, the other couple arrives and she finds out that the, the plan is they're all supposed to go to bed together. And there's a wonderfully comic scene where she comes out in her bra and pants with an apron on and goes, is this what you want? Is this what you're expecting? And she throws the Christmas dinner on the table. She she deals the plates like cards from the other side of the room and <laughs> slams the turkey on the stage. It's it's a very, very funny set piece. Um, so the, the whole second act is their, their adventure into wife swapping. And then at the end of the show, when when all ends happily, they don't go through with it, but they they say their goodbyes as the snow falls on them, and they part their ways until the following day. Um, so yes, it's a uh, it's, it's a lovely number, and uh, uh, it definitely counts as a Christmas show. I think. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yours. Faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us once more. Uh, the most iconic moment from a... Uh, Christmas musical or a Christmas moment is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, made famous, of course, by Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis, which was originally a film but adapted to the stage, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. And it, uh, again, it's, um, it's a very poignant moment because the family is leaving St. Louis to, to move to New York, and uh, which means they're not going to see the big St. Louis World's Fair the following year, and this will be their last Christmas 
in St. Louis. And um, in the film, Margaret O'Brien is looking at the snowman that she's built in the backyard. She's they're sitting in their bedroom and she says, oh, I wish we could take him with us. And Judy Garland sings the song. And of course, Hugh Martin's original lyric, have yourself a merry little Christmas, it may be your last. Um, from now on, we'll all be living in the past. Um, have yourself a merry little Christmas, pop the champagne cork, this next year, this time, we'll, we'll all be living in New York. And uh, Judy Garland refused to sing it. She said, if I sang that to Margaret O'Brien, the audience is going to hate me. They'll think I'm a monster. And Hugh Martin refused to change it. He said, no, you tell Judy that, you know, she sings the song or not, you know. And it was finally the leading man of the film, Tom Drake, who took Hugh Martin out and said, this could be a very important song and you're being stubborn. He said, rewrite the lyric. And so he went, all right. So he, it became make the Yuletide gay from now on, your troubles will be far away. And of course, became an evergreen. But Hugh Martin said, I nearly lasted up for myself because I, I just dug my heels in. You know, so th this is how classics are born. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Well, you must have a top five, do you, Sheldy, of, of Christmas moments or Christmas musicals. What would they be? They're not always musicals. They're um, they're they're, they're my five. Um, well, I mean, I haven't I haven't even gone into things like the the, the TV versions of, of musicals because um, I love Mrs. Santa, Mrs. Santa Claus by Jane. Oh yes, yes, heaven, um, heaven. With, yeah, with um, Angela Lansbury. With Angela Lansbury, which which is got some beautiful stuff in it, uh, uh, especially the final song where she's in the sleigh with. With, with Santa, we'll have the best Christmas of all, which I, I love. Flying over the clouds, floating under the moon. As we watch and we wait for the first chimney top to appear. But now that you're sitting beside me, we'll have the best happy new year. Though the wind may be strong. The Dangerous Christmas of Red Riding Hood. Have you seen that one with Liza Minnelli? No. Richard. That was a 1964, again, by Julie Stein and Bob Merrill, um, which uh, is the Red Riding Hood story, except she's given the Red Riding Hood um, as her Christmas present. Uh, she's very disappointed because she thought she wanted one that was blue. And... Uh, so there's some, some very clever material in that. Um, the wonderful number she does with Sewell Richard um, when he's dressed as Granny, as the wolf, um, called uh, Ding-a-ling, 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 ding-a-ding, ding-a-ling. I feel so Christmassy. <laughs> um, that's, that's a joyous number. This is one of those magical Christmases in the heart of a child. Oh, what Christmas is My heart is a yuletide bell When I listen I hear the bell Ding-a-ling, 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 ding-a-ling Ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling I feel so Christmassy I feel so so mistletoe, just don't know where this'll go. Ding-a-ling, 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 ding-
chaste, as fragrant as a flower. Maybe I should serve a sweet and sour. She will have a very lovely taste. Oh, you're a darling, you're a little anti-pasto. It's no wonder that I idolize her. She won't even need a tenderizer or parsley to glamorize her. Charge you to my diner's club. Oh, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. Ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. Ding-a-ling, 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 ding-a-ling. And of course, there's what we haven't um, talked about is uh, Christmas uh, as seen through the nativity. Um, there was an opera written for, for television by Minotti, in 1951, was commissioned by NBC uh, called Amal and the Night Visitors. Do you know about this? I have heard. This is, I've, I've, I've heard of stage productions of it. Right, right. Well, it was broadcast um, every year until 1966. Um, and, and, uh, when Minotti was commissioned to write um, a Christmas show, he uh, he grew up in Italy, and as he said, we we didn't celebrate Santa. He said uh, our gifts were brought by the three kings, and uh, so he wrote a story about a little crippled boy um, who's um, lives in a house with his poor mother in in, Beth- in Bethlehem, um, and uh, he tells his mother he's he, he's the boy who cries wolf, and he tells his mother that he's seen an amazing star above the house as big as a window and she says I'll stop telling stories and then there's a knock on the door and he says you'll never guess who's at the door there's a king and she goes I'll stop it stop it you know go and and look again and he comes back and he says no you were right you were right there there wasn't a king she says see and he says there were two and he goes oh stop it then there's another knock on the door and he he goes out because like no you were right mum there aren't two kings she says see you've got to stop lying he says there are three and one of them's black so she finally goes and his three, the three kings come in with their gifts and they've got gold and they're, they're on their way to see the child. And uh, so the mother runs to all the neighbours and says, I haven't got anything to feed these kings. You know, you've all got to come over. So all the neighbours come and they all give gifts and they perform. There's a dance, dance with the kings. And so the neighbour does a wonderful dance number. And uh, then the kings have a bit of a nap before they go off and the mother steals the gold. She says, oh, the child won't miss it. And uh, one of the kings wakes up and says, you know, oh, what's going on? And he says, no, 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 keep keep the gold. Keep the gold if you you need it. And the little boy says, well, uh, how about I give a gift? Can I give my crutch? And this little disabled boy hands the crutch to the king and instantly he can walk. And uh, so he says, I want to go and see the child. And the end is Amal leading the procession um, of, to, to see the child. So uh, that's, that's become a, a, a staple. It was remade in 1978 with Teresa Stratos playing the mother, and they filmed it in the Holy Land. And there was an Australian version in 1957. It was aired live on the ABC um, with uh, Neil Warren Smith, who was one of the kings, and uh, Tony Monopoly, uh, who became a pop singer. He was, um, he was the, the little boy. Uh, Tony Monopoly went to to England and uh, created the lead in Moby Dick, the the um, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that's all set in a girls' school. He ended up playing the headmistress in Moby Dick. But uh, so yes, yeah, so Amal and the Night the Night Visitors was uh, a big Christmas thing. But yes, um, in terms of my favourite five, all right, there was a musical version of 
A Little Princess, the um, written by Andrew Lippa. Um, a Little Princess was a Shirley Temple film. It was also a book, um, uh, which is a rather sad story about a little girl who's who's put in like an orphanage because her father's off in India, and she's very badly treated and. Uh, she's kept in a terrible like cupboard away from the other girls and it's sort of a Cinderella type story um but I saw a workshop of it John Frost um was looking at it being done out here and Pamela Ray played the headmistress and Anthony Warlow played the father nothing came of it out here um but it has been done overseas and there's a very exciting song in it called It's Almost Christmas um, which is the girls all preparing, the girls at the school all preparing for, for Christmas. It's very up-tempo. And um, uh, there's a wonderful version done by the, the, the gay men's chorus in Boston uh, that, that is absolutely thrilling. There's key changes and contrapuntal songs. I think it's, it's destined to become a, a classic uh, Christmas song. Oh, what a lovely war! The Joan Littlewood review, yes, about the First World War, dramatizes um, a famous incident, uh, the Christmas truce of 1915, where um, the Germans and the the English soldiers um, in the show. What happens is that the English soldiers are in the trenches and they, they can hear a distant singing and it's Silent Night being sung in German. Hey, listen. Yeah, they're coming in down Railway Wood tonight. No, not that. Listen. What is it? Singing, isn't it? It's those Welsh bastards in the next trench. That's Jerry, that is. Yeah, it is, Jerry. It's coming from over there. Sing up, Jerry. Let's hear you. They're very touched by it, and so they applaud. And the Germans hear the applause and go, "Hello, Tommy! You you sing Christmas song for us." And so they sing a ribald uh, song called "It Was Christmas in the Cookhouse," and uh, which which is all double entendre. Uh, and uh, the <laughs> the Germans say, "You have very beautiful Christmas songs, Tommy." <laughs> and then, then what happened? Um, 
what actually did happen in real life was they came out of the trenches and they met in the middle. And uh, the Germans exchanged snaps and whiskey and they apparently there were games of cricket and they all talked about when do you think this is going to end and uh, they all tried on each other's uniforms and it was, uh, it was a famous moment. And then they all went back to their trenches and the, the war continued the next day. But it's a very lovely moment, you know, what a lovely war, a wonderful, very poignant use of um, Christmas in a show. The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, the, the Jacques Demy film, which is through sung, sung by uh, all the songs by Michel Legrand, the, the most famous song being, If it takes forever, I will wait for you. And also, um, watch what happens. The be beautiful standards that came out of that. Françoise, reste tranquille. Le klaxon n'est pas un jeu A lovely love story, young young man, young woman. Uh, he is. Uh, they fall in love. They they plan to get married. They say when when we get married, we will name our child Francois, Francoise, and then um, he is drafted, and he has to go off to Algeria to fight the war. And uh, they spend their last night together. He goes off. She discovers she's pregnant, and um, a rich man says that he will marry her and raise the child as his own and the the soldier comes back at the end of the war goes looking for her finds out she's married and so he never contacts her again he goes up and gets married the final scene of the film and the show because it's been done on stage it was adapted by the public theater in new york um, and uh, it's also been done recently in uh, in the West End. Uh, Australia's own Meow Meow was was uh, in the cast. Um, but the final scene is Christmas, Christmas Eve, and uh, the the man is now running a petrol station, and he has uh, two children and his wife, and his wife and his children go off to to visit Santa at the department store. And he's there in his petrol station as the snow is falling. And suddenly a car pulls up and a very rich woman in a fur coat gets out. And of course, it's it's his love, his first love, who has married the rich man. They haven't seen each other in four years. And uh, he, he fills the car and she's got her little girl in the back of the car. And he says, what's her name? And she says, Francoise. And uh, they just say, Merry Christmas. And she drives off and he's alone and the camera pulls back as the snow is falling on the petrol station and if it takes forever i will wait for you builds and builds with like four key changes and choirs coming in and it's absolutely heartbreaking and that's a, a very beautiful christmas eve finale to a very touching film
Nicholas Nickleby, of course, the end of Nicholas Nickleby. When um, now it's not strictly a, a new song or a Broadway song, but at the end of Christmas of uh, Nicholas Nickleby, which ends on Christmas, and uh, after all his hardship, and uh, little Smike has died, who, who he's had found out was his cousin. Um, finally, he's he's there with his fiance and 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 his his family and his employers and, and the whole cast are singing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And while they're all singing this, a beautiful arrangement by Stephen Oliver, suddenly you see a, a, a little frozen beggar boy come appears down front stage in the snow, sobbing alone. And as everybody is singing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, Nicholas's eyes lock on this child and he makes his way down from the top of the stage all the way down the front. And he does what only Nicholas Nickleby can do. And the very last note of the song, he picks up the child. And you know he's going to look after this boy the way he looked after Smike. I was lucky enough to see the Australian production of Nicholas Nickleby on, on the on Christmas Eve when they did both parts on the same day on the Saturday, and uh, the show came down at like quarter to twelve on Christmas Eve. So we all left the theatre and walked out into Christmas Day, and uh, they also sang. They added an arrangement of "Oh Come All Ye Faithful" um, after "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen." So it was. Uh, an extremely moving night in the in the theatre. My favourite Christmas song is not from a show, it's not from a review, it's not from a film, 
It's not from a TV broadcast. It was written by Marshall Bearer, who wrote uh, uh, Once Upon a Mattress, and he wrote a lot of uh, review material. And he wrote a song called Christmas is an Island. And uh, it's been recorded by Rosemary Clooney. And for me, it's, it's the best modern Christmas song because it's, uh, it's all about Christmas is for, for everyone, for people of all colours, of all creeds. And uh, Christmas is an island in the sun. And uh, it's, it's the one song that we play every Christmas day. And uh, I think if given enough exposure, it should become a classic. Christmas is an island upon a sea of woes, a friendly little island where everybody goes. Christmas is a feeling completely set apart from all the Tony Sheldon, I knew you would be the perfect person to uh, to have this conversation with. Not only have we learned all about Christmas moments in Broadway musicals, but uh, the added extras. So thank you for your extensive knowledge and, and dare I say, research. Oh, look, there's there's more. I mean, there's tons more that I haven't even gone into, uh, but uh, I think that's probably enough. Otherwise, it'd be a glut. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be New Year's Eve. It will. <laughs> <laughs> but what we might do, maybe we can make this a, a, an annual tradition and uh, we can just keep topping it up every year. How wonderful. What a lovely yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony Sheldon, the, the very merriest of Christmases to you and Tony Taylor and Tony Lamond, my, my three favourite Tonys. Um, from all of us. And thank you for your beautiful Christmas card. It's it's pride of place in our house. <laughs> I love sending Christmas cards. It's a, I think it's a waning tradition, but uh, something I will uh, keep going. And, and so you must. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sheldy. Um, and all the best for 2023, of course, also. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Everybody Christmas is a feeling. Christmas is a feeling. Completely set apart. Completely set from all the other feelings. From all the other that live within the heart. That live within the heart. Let the bells ring.